Greetings, everyone. Hey, how you doing? It's Matt Sella. Today, I am doing a special review for She-Ra Season 3 on Netflix, specifically called She-Ra and the Princesses of Power Season 3. And this time around, I'm going to be doing a non-spoiler review for the first half and do a little Angry Joe-style spoiler review for the second half. And don't you worry, folks, if you haven't seen Season 3 of She-Ra, I will put up a warning, prompt you well enough, Spoilers will be ahead at that point. But for now, I'm going to try to be as vague as possible regarding my opinions on the latest season of Shira. Now, before we get into any of that, do me a favor, folks. Make sure you subscribe to my channel, ring that bell, do whatever it is you need to do in order to support me. Or if you want to wait until the end of this review to decide that, that'd be wise as well. Now, to get things started on this season three, I do find it a bit bizarre that that's what we're calling it now. Whereas if you see my review for season two, season two was only like, I want to say seven episodes. And the way it ended felt like more like a mid-season finale. And my initial problem with season two was I didn't really feel like there was an overarching thing happening aside from like Hordak trying to open a portal or something and a sprinkle of a few other things like that. It, it, it left me unsatisfied, I guess is what I'm trying to get at here. Like there was no dire circumstance building up per se. And so when season three dropped, it was only six episodes. And I kind of thought to myself, that seems like a second half of season two. So I don't really know whatever the semantics are regarding the release of these episodes on Netflix. I know there's been major discussion saying like, is Netflix dropping entire seasons really good for them in the long run because they are going through some financial troubles? Again, is the binging culture that they're creating a really not a good thing for them in the long run since everyone binges what they want and then they drop out of the Netflix subscription and wait until like some other series pops up so that they can like sign up for Netflix again. But you're not here to hear about all that Netflix economy, what have you. I'm assuming my point here is I believe season three is actually the season that I wanted. I actually really enjoyed it overall. It had me engaged for most of the time. While I think season two was really trying to like establish the characters, even though we should already be aware of them, what their tells are, flaws and strengths and all that. Season three banks more on the overarching story and the extent at which some of these characters are willing to go to see through. And I'll admit, some of the characters that actually got some character development, I did not quite expect. Like this being like a cartoon show for kids harkens back a little bit to that Saturday morning cartoon thing going on or afternoon cartoons, if you will. You expect everything to be like black and white, good versus evil kind of thing, where they kind of give you a little bit of a hint that there's more to people than it might seem. So I think that's like the overall strength, I would say, regarding season three, is everyone is going through a personal struggle in their role in all this. Other non-spoiler things that I will say is that we get a couple introductions to new characters that I really kind of enjoyed. Like, I liked what they were going with there. They did kind of drop off with those characters a bit that nothing crazy or dire happens it's just like as soon as they're introduced they kind of become like a new member of like whichever side of the team you want to refer to but within the last few episodes we focus solely on the Shira character and the overarching story at that point kind of forgetting the new characters a little bit and I feel like season one did that a little bit too where they had characters that seemingly were important and then during the season finale of season one brought them back but i remember seeing them and i thought to myself wait who are these people again 
because we never touch base with them between those events, which I guess is the benefit here about season three being only six episodes long. Everything's pretty fresh in the mind. However, they didn't quite do that with the finale of this season. But I am happy the action is back. Not super well choreographed as like season one's action, but there was definitely more going on, more stakes. And I think that was the strength of the season overall. I think it had a good balance between having that cartoon afternoon action vibe going on, while at the same time giving a little hint of depth for most of the characters. Not all of them were able to get that full closure. Maybe they're leading up for like future seasons or something like that, but I won't get into that here. This is still the non-spoiler section. Animation is pretty all right. Uh, It feels a little subdued in some parts. However, they do have more effects in some areas. Maybe just one or two types of effects that come up that's technically new that I actually thought was done fairly well. It didn't like wow me or anything like that, but it didn't take me out of the cartoon world. And uh, there were quite a few emotional scenes throughout the season. And while it didn't get me quite to tears for the most part, I think one of the very final things kind of got close to that. But there was definitely hard in some areas. But then again, I'm kind of in a weird place in my life right now. So maybe I just cry at everything. (laughs) But yeah, without getting into the non-spoiler stuff, I actually think this is probably my favorite season of She-Ra and the Princesses of Power. It had the right balance of action for me to keep me engaged in the world, its lore, but also still had some of those intimate moments of the characters' relationships, whether new or breaking, anything like that. So I think they're stepping in the right direction. There were some things that they kind of left hanging that didn't really go anywhere yet. So I'm hoping they'll revisit it later, but we'll see. I think overall, I'm going to give it my only existing animation rating of Entertained. I was very entertained, and I'm glad I watched it. It had its sad moments, had its dire moments, and had its happy moments. I thought it was the right balance for me. Kept me entertained, so good on ya, Shira Animation Team. So if you're here just for the non-spoiler stuff and you don't want to be spoiled further ahead, then make sure to give this video a like, and I'm going to be jumping straight into the spoiler section. So thank you for joining me in that regard. For those who have seen Season 3, stick around, because I'm going to go into a little bit more detail about things that worked for me, and what didn't work for me, and what I'm looking forward to next. You have been warned. Spoilers ahead. You kids ready? Okay, let's hop to it. So first things first, the thing that surprised me most was actually giving Hordak more character depth than I expected. Like when it comes to like these late 80s, early 90s type villains, they're always like, I'm evil for reasons, whatever, I must kill everyone or rule now. But in this case, he explained his backstory, which I thought was really interesting because I figured there were other people like him. Turns out, no, he was just like a semi-defective clone of some Horde Prime guy. I don't know if his name was Hordak Prime, but I believe it was Horde Prime. And since he wasn't the strongest of the bunch, he was banished and then came to Etheria and sought to prove his worth to Prime Horde or Horde Prime or whatever you want to call him. And the whole aspect of failure, I thought, was a really interesting theme overall for the season because not only is he harboring this strive to prove his worth... Catra, in many ways, is also harboring that, feeling neglected by Shadow Weaver, blaming Shira for her own failures. All Catra wants to do is to accomplish something that didn't really benefit Shira because Shira got everything she always wanted. At least that's how she felt. And so Hordak, who was making friends with Entrapta, who was probably like the only character who actually was not intimidated by him, who kind of rejected 
his pushing away of other people. He started to open up to her, even in slight ways. Like, there wasn't quite dialogue there, but occasionally when she would do something to try to help him, he would just stand there and kind of take it. Or if at some point he would do his little smile, which if you know me, season two or even season one, I've always hated Entrapto because of what she represents in terms of like the pursuit of science and screwing everybody else who would say, wait, you're taking this too far. But it's for science. And it's like you bring shame to scientists everywhere. They attempt to redeem her a little bit, which I suppose, which I suppose is the overall weakness of the season is that they try to put a lot of depth into a lot of these characters and give some sense of closure to some of them, kind of like answering the problems that maybe some people had. I don't know. I'm really the only person I know who watched she so I don't know how Mark feels, how Caesar feels, or anyone else. So I'm just going to go off of what I think, but I'm getting ahead of myself. Hodak, in general, I thought had that good sense where, yeah, he was still evil. He's still the villain, but I can kind of understand why he was doing what he was doing, because that's really all he knows, and he doesn't want to feel useless to the Horde family thing. Now, jumping into Katra, I remember in the previous season that I actually didn't mind her snarky attitudeness. It made sense to me, given her backstory with Shadow Weaver and She-Ra growing up. And in this season, you kind of see her go mad quite a bit. I mean, that's pretty obvious, considering the very final episode, she kind of goes like anti-Katra or something, where the portal's dimensional hair is like ripping her apart kind of creating like a more evil version of her but granted she was going mad the whole time i was actually really happy to see shira have her final line with her saying like hey none of this is my fault i tried to reach out and help you but you kept pushing me away i'm paraphrasing of course so don't go blaming me these are all the choices you made you now have to live with them punch in the face I thought that was well executed and exactly what I was thinking. And with the way the episodes wrap up, yeah, she lives and she's got to live with those choices. So if season four comes around, either she'll probably go more mad, which I don't think that's the direction they'll go in because that makes very little sense. They'll probably try to find a way to redeem her in some sense. Jumping back to Entrapta a little bit, um, I still don't like her, but she became a little bit more empathetic in this season. As she was building a relationship with Hordak, I'm particularly not a fan of the whole misunderstanding thing where Katra said that she and the others abandoned and trapped her and that's why she can trust Katra and Hordak or whatever and constantly being betrayed and she just wants friends in a way. It's, it's a weird balance. Like I want to see more development there to kind of show Entrapta's redemption. But the way they built her character within the last two seasons kind of makes me skeptical that it's going to be natural, her redemption, or at least any lesson to be learned there. Because it's kind of strange, like in the previous seasons, like she was kind of okay with her experiments killing people or destroying the planet in parts. But then all of a sudden when this portal happens, and no matter how many calculations she would run, it would just destroy everything. And she's like, well, okay, that's not good. And it's acceptable. I know. I'm, maybe I'm just nitpicking at this point, but I want to see more of how they handle Entrapta in the future. Because if they just give her a free pass and give her the excuse to put people's lives on the line, 
for the sake of science, then you're going to have to do more than that for me. Now, I'm kind of clumping together a few other people here. I was going to say Scorpio is a pretty cool character in this season as well. I like how she was trying to give Catra an out for being like the Horde's enabler or something. Saying like, you know, in the Crimson whatever, the desert, we were able to take on the leader and become the new leader of this bandit criminal gang thing and we can have parties and we do great out here. Let's stay here and be happy together because you don't have to worry about the Horde or any of their weird plans. You haven't been happy before, Catra, and I think this is the perfect place for you. But that whole like anchor above Catra, living with the failures and feeling like a failure in the eyes of Dreamweaver and all those characters kind of makes her kind of like push away anyone who tries to like open up with her. It's very complex. I understand it. I get it. I thought that was really good. I thought that works for her. The clumping that I'm mentioning here is the whole tendency of friendship in this series. I mean, I don't know much about it, but I know the internet likes to ship some of these characters. And I could definitely see Scorpio having like feelings for Catra. Catra. I mean, most people ship Adora and Catra, but I feel like it's more of a friendship type thing or like a sisterly thing. I don't know. I have trouble picking up on these signals only because sometimes it feels like, okay, now you're just kind of longing for each other in a more intimate way. I only say that because uh, while I did like the uh, openness that Hordak was having with Entrapta, they were kind of doing that too a little bit between those guys and I kind of thought to myself, I don't know how old uh, Hordak is, and I'm assuming Entrapta and the other princesses are roughly around the same age, so I'm like, this is kind of weird. I Maybe I'm just being freaked out by nothing. I don't know. I just thought it was a little bizarre, like how close everyone was getting at some points. But I don't think it's egregious in any way. I think this all works kind of naturally for me. It might be push away some people with some of the things and relationships they bring up. But honestly, if you saw season two and you're okay with everything, I think you'll be fine with season three. I don't think there's really anything to worry about at all. But in the end, to kind of conclude, because this is pretty much a long video already, the overall closure of the titular character Shira, Adora, and everything she's trying to figure out where she came from and all that jazz I actually thought was kind of an emotional story, at least in a way to kind of find out who she was, where she came from. And we still didn't get all the answers because, I mean, like, yeah, no, she was technically one of the first ones came through the border when Mara did her thing, which was kind of funny because we saw holograms of Mara as She-Ra. I'm like, OK, cool. Yeah, this is a somewhat older woman who was once She-Ra and all that. I was half expecting Mara to actually be a mother to Shira, but then when we saw in the final episode that the previous Shira appeared, she looked like around the same age as Shira, and I was half expecting like like a taller blonde woman as well to kind of like be Shira's mother. Uh, sorry, Adora's mother. But I guess not. I suppose the Shira thing is like a title that has passed down generally for the first one. Uh, but then again, Mara could be Sh uh, Adora's mother. I don't know. And I will admit, I don't remember the exact events of Mara established in season two and maybe season one. So I don't quite remember exactly why the whole portal thing was a, a thing. That was originally Mara's fault. Or at least that's what everyone thought it was at the time. Still, though, I think at the very end, I got a character. I keep abusing the word redemption, but I guess full circle or a closure that I did not expect. And that was Angela. I think that was it. Angela actually addressed one of the issues that I had with her character 
that I didn't really put much thought into was the fact that Angela always seems to like send people off to do missions, yells at Glimmer for like being too reckless, dangerous, you know, kind of like that mother figure was like, no, you can't go out and do these things. And Glimmer's like, I hate you. I'm going to go do it anyway. You know, that kind of trope you would see in these cartoons. But no, she actually kind of comes to admit after like the reality convergence that she kind of has always lived a lie, always afraid, scared, and never quite taking that leap. Whereas Micah has before, which, by the way, that totally threw me a loop, too. I thought Micah was the boy and Shadow Weaver's past who died, but then I didn't remember. It's strange. I'm just going to accept whatever it is. The point is, I'm kind of glad she had a turnaround, Angela, by choosing to take Adora's place by pulling out the sword from the center of the portal. I thought that was a noble sacrifice. It made sense to me, considering that she hasn't really done anything except fly around and yell at Glimmer. And I thought her reasonings made sense to me. And I think that was the one part of the emotional thing that actually got me pretty close to tearing up, especially near the end. Which, by the way, I think they could have handled that a little bit more softly, letting Glimmer know, like, after everything was fixed, everyone's back to normal in their reality. But unfortunately, Angela, she's lost between dimensions. She's not dead. She's lost between time and space. But still, I feel like they could have done that a little bit more gradually instead of like Jashira hugging Glimmer and saying like, not saying anything actually, but just hugging her and Glimmer kind of knew. But then again, at the same time, I'm arguing with myself already. Then again, Bo, Glimmer, and Adora were there in that one pocket where Entrapta explained the whole like dimensional sacrifice thing. But still, I feel like there should have been some form of an evidence that Angela is indeed gone. Like maybe at the throne or everyone searched the castle and said like, we can't find her anywhere. Just something. But granted, the episode was already long as it is. We were tied on time. It was still kind of a sad scene for me. And to wrap up on this spoiler section and this video season three review, we get a stinger at the very end showing the back version of Horde Prime and his armada fleet finally picking up the signal of where Hordak was. And I guess they're going to set course to Etheria to find out, hey, Hordak, what have you been up to? What's with all these weird creatures you're hanging around with? You mind if we kill them for you? Okay, cool. I'm looking forward to that. I'm guessing that's going to be the next season four plot line of Horde Prime arriving to Etheria to stir up some crazy. And probably at that point, we'll get more of Catra probably helping out the bad guys, I'm going to guess. I'm going to assume Hordak is going to try to appeal to Horde Prime, which he didn't really show any redemption during the weird convergence thing. So I'm definitely going to expect some plot twist. I'm not saying this is the case, but Horde Prime will probably like accept Hordak's assistance. But in the end, we'll like, yeah, that's great. You did all this, but. You know, you're still a piece of poo, so why don't you get out of here, kid? You're bothering me. And then Hordak's like, why? I'm supposed to be successful. I'm not a failure. And it's like, well, you kind of are, dude. I, you know, I don't really care about you. You're still trash to me, so why don't you get out of here? And then Hordak's probably going to help Shira revert something, save the world or whatever. I'm guessing that's the direction they're going to go in, but we'll see. We'll see. As far as Catra goes, I'm assuming she will have some form of redemption. Otherwise, you can make her go more insane, which is going to be really bizarre, I think. I don't know. I mean, she was pretty insane in this season, so who knows? Who knows? All right, folks, I think that'll do it for my review. It's gone on way longer than I anticipated, but hey, like I said, I kind of like this season. It was a pretty good season, in my opinion. Got me engaged in what was going on on Etheria. Don't know why I said it like that. 
The point is, let me know in the comment section below, what were your thoughts on season three of She-Ra? Did you like it? Did you not like it? Let me know. Join the conversation. Hey folks, I want to thank you all for listening to this review. Hey, if you got to this far, why don't you give this little video a like? I would really appreciate it. It would help the algorithm get this opinion video out there. I want to hear everyone's opinion on this. Because honestly, I would really like to know. I don't really have anyone to talk about this show with. Everyone's all about that DuckTales. Anywho, if you guys are willing to, please check out my Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Matt There you can support me by donating as little as a dollar a month. Goes towards my art, animation, podcast, and all kinds of content made just for you. And do not forget to subscribe to this channel for more content just like this. All right, folks, this is Matt Sella. Thank you all for tuning in. Yeah.